Somewhere in the bowels of the city that never sleeps. Kevin McCullough, radio host with Salem Media. Is a man also not sleeping. Syndicated radio talk show host Kevin McCullough. And that guy would like a word with you. Many of you know him from his looks for Damas. Of course that Kevin show is going to be great. The only thing that could be greater, of course, would be that Donald show. But we don't have that, so we have that Kevin show. Featuring the music of Dick Tunney and the Dream in Color Orchestra. And coming up tonight, Nicole Sotilli, influencer and mayhem mama. Jason Aldean telling us to try that in a small town. Nick Shakur from The Promise. Drybar Comedy's Jamie Ward, and joining Jason Aldean, Carrie Underwood. And now, live from Times Square, where you can no longer get napkins or ketchup for your french fries, here's that Kevin! I gotta say, that's one weird thing. Uh, I don't, you know, we've done away with plastic straws. We've, uh, well, Mayor Bloomberg tried to make us only drink uh, 24 ounce uh, sodas at one point in time. But if you're gonna go have greasy fries uh, in the city and you're gonna take them out, you're not gonna get napkins and ketchup. I, this is what uh, this is what uh, the city council is trying to do. And if you're coming to New York, please come anyway. I'm so sorry. I, I do apologize that we have crazy politicians that sometimes do nutty things like this. But getting rid of ketchup and napkins for your French fries uh, for your takeout orders is just obscene to me. And I I, I don't know. I mean, it, we have much bigger problems, I guess, in the world. But earnestly, uh, please, New York City Council, do something about this. Uh, Minority Leader Joe Borelli, please do something about this. Something must be done. You cannot let them take the ketchup and the and the napkins away from the French fries. We have to have them. End of story. Welcome to the weekend, Kevin McCullough. We've got a big show for you tonight. I'm so excited. Uh, Nick Shakur is going to be here from the Promise, uh, the Chosen. And he plays the uh, father of uh, of um, James and John and uh, Zebedee, and he his character is really fun on the show. But he's even more fun in person, and I'm looking forward to sitting down with him one on one here momentarily. Uh, also, uh, we've got uh, the Mayhem Mama. I don't know if you've seen the Bougie Mayhem Mama. That's her. That's her screen name for uh, Instagram. But she's she's not. She's she's not the exception. She's becoming more the rule. These these moms that have had enough of this social engineering from all of the powers and the culture that tell them you have to do it a certain way. She's she's not taking it anymore. Left her career. Now she's online making a difference. She's going to be here with us as well. And then I know you've heard about Jason Aldean. Try that in a small town. It's only been the number one song in the country for the last three weeks. I mean, it has rocked the charts. And I think, yes. Part of it is entirely due to the fact that the left tried to cancel this song. And if you read the lyrics and if you look at the video, there's no reason for them to want to cancel this song unless they are in favor of crime. 
the only kind of people who would who would look at Jason Aldean's song and say that's a song that's uh, that's not good for society would be people that want to see crime explode because the song is a very clear a message don't do crime in small towns they don't tolerate it and i don't know why anybody would be against that message you know what i would like them not to try it in big cities either but you've got these you got these pansy leaders you know oh, can't have ketchup in napkins with your french fries what are you going to do when the dude pulls a a, a Glock on you in your in your uh, bodega? We got to get past this idea that uh, we've got to coddle everybody all the time. I read a thing this week about gentle parenting, where they they say, "Now, little Johnny, you just spit in your friend's eye and threw sand at him and and hit him in the face. Were you upset about something?" No, you see a kid do that, you pull him aside, and say, "Don't do that anymore." Don't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You know who was never told that very much was Hunter Biden. He is a case study in bad parenting. Because what he's doing now, and here's the thing. You, you heard about his plea deal this week, right? It all got blown to bits. The judge was like, I'm not, you want me to give you immunity for all crimes that you may yet be investigated and charged with? By pleading to a couple of tax things and a diversion program for the gun charge? Uh, no. So after Hunter runs around for four weeks telling everybody, oh, I committed these crimes, I committed these tax crimes, I committed these this gun charge, and I, I really am trying to learn my lesson, and I'm hoping that I... I'm hoping that I've learned my lesson well, and I'm, I'm going to do all that I can to, you know, repay society for the bad stuff I've done. After he's mea culpa his way, he now had to go back to court and say, no, 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 I'm not guilty of those. I didn't do those. I, I love this judge. Would that we have more judges like her because she didn't tolerate it for a second. Now, there's another layer to all this that is kind of interesting. Because you had Hunter ready to go to court and to say, I did it, and I'll accept this punishment. And you had the wink, wink, nod, nod between the defense team and the prosecutor team, which is from the Department of Justice. Let's, let's, let's face it, it's, it's, um, they're, they're working together here. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to have a prosecutor that's working for the justice, for the society. You're supposed to have a defense counsel that is there helping making sure that the, the 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 accused has their rights represented and that's how it's supposed to work but what you got here is you have um them making the under the table deal and and basically thinking well we'll snow the judge and then hunter will, will get off and it'll it'll be good but here's the thing now that all of that took place Senator Pete Ricketts from Nebraska came out yesterday and said, I've heard from countless Americans who are concerned that our justice system is being weaponized against President Biden's political opponents while his son gets preferential treatment. He said there needs to be accountability for any misconduct or favoritism, including Hunter Biden's own legal team. Faith in our justice system has been gravely damaged by the Biden administration's mishandling of recent cases and, uh, and restoring its integrity is essential. And it's not just the Hunter 
inconsistencies that they're that they're talking about. It's looking at 45 and saying you're you're you want to prosecute him and put him away for 480 years because he kept a few papers from his administration, which every president has done. Joe Biden has boxes full that he's not even qualified to have. He had top secret confidential stuff that he wasn't supposed to have in his own possession when he was a senator. How did that happen? There's also another bomb that's about to drop. It looks like the Biden total game, it's gone up. It was three and a half million, then it was five million, then it was 10 million. It looks like the number that they have uncovered now through the bank records is $50 million that was pure access graft that the Bidens took in, just, just for giving him access to people. 50 million. And he used to he used to run around all the time in the Senate when he was campaigning for different things. Oh, I'm the poorest guy. I, I'm the commuter train senator. I, I jump on the train and I go home to Delaware, you know, with my commuter pass. This group that's there, crooked, criminal, enriching themselves and selling out our country in the process. And now you have senators saying, hey, um, we're tarnishing the the very standard by which we need to have uh, the highest excellence. We're tarnishing that standard with this favoritism being shown towards Hunter. And it's got to stop. So you've already got House investigation committees going on. Uh, there are senators willing to look into this, and I kind of am with Kevin McCarthy. I kind of think that this is all adding up to very, very big impeachable offenses. But I'm also with Governor Mike Huckabee, who was on my radio show yesterday, and he said, take your time, build the case, get the facts straight, and make it so painfully obvious to the American people that these guys have to be dealt with. Uh, seriously, that even the Democrats come alongside. Now, I know that's going to have to be a pretty tall order, but you, you don't have the votes in the Senate right now. So gather the evidence, lay out the case, and stop this double standard, this two-tiered system, this, this joke of a justice system that we have currently. Coming right back from Times Square, we've got a huge show, and Nicole Satilli joins me on the other side of this. I knew it. Ah, uh, come on, Cam. What's a few classified documents between friends? I told you. I told you all the time. I knew it. I knew he had some, too. Here he is. That Kevin. Kevin McCullough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, my next guest is someone that I have never had a conversation with prior to this very moment. And I'm excited to because I've kind of been a, a fanboy of hers on Instagram <laughs> for a few months. Uh, part of the reason... She just has a sassy way of saying the truth, which I think we need more of in the world today. But another uh, couple of uh, reasons that I, I am uh, kind of intrigued by this is that she's really fighting diligent fights, consistently posting things that I think really do impact people's lives. So with great, great admiration, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Nicole Satilli. 
Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. You got it. Um, I, I know that you spend a lot of your time, um, sometimes tongue in cheek, uh, talking about things on social media and kind of being a little smarmy. I mean, your your um, your handle is the Bougie Mayhem Mama. So I, I know there's like a sarcastic part of you that's really a lot of fun. But how did you get to the point where you are right now? Um, well, I was, uh, as we had talked about uh, before, I was in uh, the makeup business. And um, I did have a small social media presence uh, sharing that on, on Instagram in particular. Um, but while I was doing that, um, you know, we had COVID come through and all of this um, government overreach would be putting it very <laughs> gently Lightly. and mildly. Yes. And I felt this stir in me that I needed to start speaking out about uh, what was happening and what I was seeing and what my thoughts were. And so I was trying to kind of do that while I was also uh, trying to sell people makeup. <laughs> and it was just not, it was not working for me. Um, anybody who knows anything about social media will say, you know, you need to have a particular uh, niche <laughs> or brand, yes. right? And what my uh, heart was telling me was that I needed to, um, you know, I needed to, to speak. I needed to use my voice. I needed to use this platform uh, and and kind of walk away from, you know, what I was doing before. And and that there were really, um, not a knock on makeup, but there were really serious things that <laughs> were going on in the world. And that affected me and my family and my kids. And um that was kind of how it, it yeah. all started. How many kids do you have? I have two. And what are their ages? Uh, one is just about to be six and one is 12. So and, you're right in the throes of yeah. the educational uh, debate that's going on. You're right in the throes of, the, of the, um, all the societal engineering that the administration is trying to do. Uh, you, you, do your kid, are your kids publicly educated or do you have a private option for them? Um, I'm, I'm homeschooling. Okay. Was that I, a decision based on the society around you? It was initially based upon, um, not re just absolutely refusing to send my child to school in a mask mm. oh, um, so totally and be in that environment. So it started then. Um, and, uh, and then all of this, uh, this woke indoctrination that is happening at um, so many public schools has just reinforced my decision to continue to do that until, unless things drastically change. Hmm. Well, it's a, it's a courageous decision to make. And I've known a lot of families that did uh, use the COVID season to kind of, first of all, become familiar with what was actually going on in the schools. Because to be honest, Nicole, I think a lot of parents were caught sleepwalking on their kids' education. And then COVID came along and they saw the Zoom coming into their house every day and they said, what the what? And they had a reaction not dissimilar to yours that there's no way my kid can be a part of that. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, for those of you watching in Toledo, I'm not, I'm not dissing public schools that do a good job and a diligent job. And yes, 
my kids go to a public school, but we happen to live in a district where the parents are very involved and we have a lot of con control on the school board and we're able to, to affect change. And I don't have anything against parents making the right decision for what their kids are, but I certainly don't have any disrespect for parents that have made Nicole's decision and say, hey, we're going to take the uh, horse by the reins here and we're going we're gonna to have more control. Was it a difficult decision for you to move in that direction? Did you think, well, I've never taught school or I've never done this or that. Were there thoughts that made you doubt at uh, initially that you were going to be successful with it? Absolutely. I, I was terrified. Um, and I, I want to speak on that point about the Zoom, the um, virtual learning and Zooms coming in, uh, because that, that also personally uh, opened my eyes. So uh, this was at the time we were in a, a fairly affluent uh, neighborhood with a very good school system in North Carolina, and you think North Carolina, you think, um, oh, it's red, and you know, there's not going to be any of this uh, being brought into the schools. But you really need to be diligent. So there we were before the homeschooling had began. We were doing the virtual learning. Um, so the schools closed completely, you know, in the initial lockdown, and then. Uh, and then it was virtual learning, and then it was the option to either go back in a mask or continue virtual learning. And so uh, I actually chose the, the virtual learning option because, I, as I said, I didn't want to um, send my son at the time. Right. Right. And so I would sit and I would listen in, and I was sitting and listening in to make sure that my son stayed on task and did his work. There was no... Um, ulterior motive at that point. And I'll never forget, uh, they were teaching the um, Declaration of Independence. And they were going through line by line, the teacher with, with all of the kids, and kind of asking the students to um, decipher or put in layman's terms what each part uh, you know, was. And, and when they got to the part about um, endowed by our creator, um, the teacher said, well, who is, who's the creator? She asked the class, who's the creator? And, um, you know, a few kids said, oh, God, God, right? And she said, it was whoever they believed in at the time. It could have been Muhammad. It could have been uh, whoever, whatever religious deity they believe in. These words came almost, out of her mouth. Those words came out of her mouth. So she was literally teaching history incorrectly in order to be woke and to be sensitive and to be inclusive. And, you know, being inclusive is one thing, but teaching history incorrectly when we know who the um, founders were <laughs> referring founding to. fathers believed in and, and, and that's not who they were speaking of. Um, and it's just factually incorrect. And I thought, wow, uh, I had no idea that this kind of little insidious things were seeping in. Well, coming or, from you know, New York, I have no idea what you're talking about in terms of being totally surrounded <laughs> no. by people that disagree with us. She's no. the she's the bougie mayhem mama on Instagram. You got to follow her. It's really a fun read. And she's always kind of, I don't know, kind of sticking sticking it to the to the people that think they're so witty and in fact she is very witty herself we're going to come back and talk a little bit more with nicole sotilli stay with us ready or not you'll be right back
Back to that Kevin show with Kevin McCullough. Welcome back to Times Square. Kevin McCullough, glad to have you with us. Uh, that Kevin show, hence appropriately named. Uh, yet to come on tonight's big uh, new music spotlight. You may have heard about a guy named Jason Aldean. <laughs> It's had a little bit of pushback on his most recent song. Uh, well, get ready. He's he's uh, in the green room warming up. Uh, Nicole Satilli is my guest. And Nicole, um, I was commenting to you before the show that um, in the last two years specifically, you have seen an enormous activating of mothers, not dissimilar to your very situation, coming together across the country. You've got a group called Moms for Liberty, and you know that this group's having impact because the left's starting to go nuts. They're trying to discredit them at every turn. But there's other groups, and it seems like the left has been more dedicated in the last couple of years to coming after your kids and saying, they don't even belong to you. They're actually our kids. Um, what do you think's going to happen with this group of moms that are so activated? What, what do you make of this movement? Um, you know, I think that as moms, we have so many balls in the air, so to speak, that we're juggling and that, um, and so uh, we, we didn't really care what anyone was doing, who was marrying who, who was attracted to who, you know, um, what other people wanted to put into their, you know, what kind of medication people wanted to use or put into their bodies. Um, the problem is when they came after our kids. And so that has activated um, a primal instinct in, in mothers uh, because that's our job and that's our number one job is, is to protect, you know, to protect our kids, protect our young. And, um, and it's and interesting to me that, and I, I've, been I've been tracking this across a few different demographic uh, issues, but the left just, they don't know how to deal with children. Um, they, they want to abort them. They want to uh, transition them uh, from their biological sex to some sort of imagined gender. They want to get them out of the control of the parents' clutches as early as possible, but they don't really want to have very many. I mean, the birth rate amongst those on the left is, is spiraling. It's, it's, they're going to breed themselves out of existence soon if you just let them do what they're currently doing. And meanwhile, the, the families on the right are having big families they're teaching their kids about God. They're teaching them about the nation's history. They're teaching them that uh, there is a moral right and wrong in the universe. And they're actually passing on values that they can then pass on to their kids, the next generation. And I think that this concerns the left because the left knows that it's if it stays as it is, unless they import a huge batch of voters from some other country, don't know how they would do that with an open border. Um, that they're going to have to find other voters to start uh, supplementing their ranks. Meanwhile, people on the right are just having these big families and having more and more kids. Yeah. And, it, you know, it's not just even, I don't think it's even a national thing necessarily either. I mean, you, you hear some of the things that the um, WEF and the WHO are chiming in on things like homeschool and, you know, that it's equity wise, that it's not fair. And, all, and, and there's just, um, I read a thing this week where somebody said, in. if you get too much sleep, you're racist. That somehow sleep has become racist in, right. in who gets it and who does it. I mean, like, you can't, you can't make some of this stuff up. I know. Um, so, you know, there is an agenda and I think it, what it is, is, you know, I've seen the village and I don't want it raising my children. Right. 
Um, so I, my goal is to kind of just exit the matrix as much as possible. And um, I think that's what they don't like is when we are, you know, homeschooling and we want to grow our own vegetables and um, eat you know, red we meat. want to have, have medical freedom and eat meat that doesn't have, you know, hormones and right. mRNA. And they call us um, domestic terrorists because we want to do those yeah. things. And it's, it's really just getting back to a simpler life and um, to parents having a, a larger role in what their child learns and what their child believes and taking that away from kind of what it's ended up as where, you know, it's, it's media school and, you know, other forms of authority that aren't the mom and dad, um, television music that are shaping our kids. And, and we just want to go back to kind of, it's almost like a renaissance of going back to a simpler time where, um, you know, your family is what is, is molding yeah. you and all of that. So that's so well said. Well, follow her on Instagram, Nicole Satilli. Uh, she's hilarious. She's pointed. She'll make you think. And, uh, Nicole, it's an honor to have you with us tonight. Thank you for stopping by. Thank you so much. You've got it. Kevin McCullough coming back from Times Square. Don't go away. Ready or not, you'll be right back. glad to have you with us. Uh, thank you for being here. And thank you to those of you. I have to give you an update uh, that have been part of our um, ending slavery in our time uh, effort this year. Uh, this year, our goal, like it was last year, is 192 uh, former slaves to be liberated and to be relocated and to be given a brand new start in life. Uh, those of you that have helped us uh, thus far, we are so grateful for uh, and as of yesterday, according to what uh, I could put together in terms of gifts that have come in and gifts that will be made before the end of the year, we are up to 96 of the 192 uh, slaves. So we're exactly at the halfway point uh, to be able to do that here in the first uh, seven months of the year means a lot. And we have uh, a lot that we can still do. Uh, in fact, I'm getting word that there are there, there, there may be more that we can liberate this year, uh, but we, we want to take care of those whose names we know, uh, that we know where they're located at, uh, et cetera, uh, to begin with. So we're hoping that, um, that you will stand alongside of us. But I want to give you this update because I think it's really important to understand that when Sound of Freedom and other things that are out there are talking about ending human trafficking, ending human slavery. We're talking about it in the context of a world situation where it is worse today than it has ever been. We have never had so many human beings being trafficked and being enslaved as we have on planet Earth right now. Uh, millions, literally, uh, are, are not their own persons. And the group that I work with, Christian Solidarity International, we've been working together now. Uh, it's going on um, more than a decade, uh, 
And we have helped liberate more than 3,500 human lives specifically. Um, so I, I am very honored that those of you that have been standing with us have, those of you that have already given a gift this week or this year, thank you so much. 888-342-1010 is the number, 888-342-1010. And the process is real simple. Where we're working in this year is in Sudan, uh, slaves that were left over from the Civil War that the world powers never did anything about, uh, they, have, uh, they have languished in captivity. Uh, but Christian Solidarity International has been at work. Uh, we are liberating as we find them one by one with individual negotiations with the slave owner. Many times they are willing to give up the slave uh, for the purpose of uh, getting a vaccine for their cattle. Their cattle don't do well in the harsh weather. We can provide an avidium vaccine, which helps them overcome those uh, temporary uh, problems. And in exchange, they let a slave uh, be released to us and we get them back to South Sudan. We get them back to where they where they came from, where their family was from, possibly family members if they are still around and have the potential to be uh, united. So that's, that's how it works. Now, $250 gives that slave their life back. Um, but it also does more than that. It gives them everything they need to start their life over again, which includes food for a year, uh, grain for another year beyond that, that they can plant and uh, grow more sorghum. Sorghum is the grain that they uh, eat the most in uh, Sudan, and it's very, very durable and helps them uh, have good nutrition. Um, but then we also make sure that they have supplies to garden with and to cook and to do that type of thing as well. Um, we also make sure that they have some blankets and tarps and things that can help keep them protected from the weather. And then my favorite part, they each get a little she-goat, and that little she-goat gives them a micro-enterprise. They can have more goats. They can create milk and cheese and uh, have a way of supporting themselves, uh, all these good things that they do uh, from that little she-goat. And all of that's included for $250. The goat itself would be worth three or four times that uh, in the farmer's market. Uh, but for $250, we can deliver all of that to the slave tonight. 888-342-1010. We have 96 of 192 to go. We need you to step up and say, hey, I will take care of at least one human life. And tonight, if you choose to do that in the next 10 minutes, we have one listener who's going to match dollar for dollar every slave that we liberate in the next 10 minutes. So would you be willing to right now go to the phone and make that call? I was a child when I was abducted by the Arabs. My parents used to own livestock and my mother would do all the cooking for us. I don't remember the year that I was captured. There had never been any problems in our village. Then one day, all of a sudden, we heard that there were Arabs attacking Dinka villages throughout the south. We were so worried we could not even sleep at night. It was a big concern to my mother and my father. We were told that these Arabs were heavily armed and would kill all the animals and people when they would attack. We were very scared. Then one morning, they attacked our village. We scattered in different directions and I ran, but I was captured. My entire village was burned down and I've never seen a member of my family since. Then I was taken north into slavery. My eyes saw horrific things on that trip to the north. Women were raped right in front of us. Men were beaten and four men were killed because they tried to fight back. They were shot dead before our eyes. 
Once at the slave master's house, I was pretty much starved and worked brutal hours every single day doing difficult and very, very hard work. There was no relief. And then they raped me. My slave master did not think of me as a human. He would not even let me go to the hospital when I fell sick. And one day I heard that there was a slave retriever from CSI close by, how I wanted to be free. That retriever secured my freedom. And thank God I was able to return to South Sudan. Thank you to each of you who helped the slaves be free. But please don't stop until we get them all. It's a reasonable request. The phone number is 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. And your gift right now of only $250 will liberate another girl like a hoke, the one you just heard the story from. The names may sound different to our Western ears, but their hearts, their desires, their lives are no different than your own daughter's. Friends, if you believe that slavery is evil, and if you believe that we should be here to make a difference, then please do. Pick up the phone, 888-342-1010, 888-342-1010. You can also give online by just going to bringherhome.org. That's bringherhome.org or 888-342-1010. That's 888-342-1010. and gentlemen, what happens when you take a patriot who loves the country and loves police and law enforcement for doing their job and trying to help the world be a better place and he makes a song about it? Of course it's going to drive some people mad. Ladies and gentlemen, Jason Aldean. Suck a punch somebody on a sidewalk Carjacking old lady at a red light Think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think you're tough Well, try that in a small town See how far you make it down the road Around here we take care of our own You cross that line, it won't take long My granddad gave me They say one day They're gonna round up Well that it might fly in the city Good luck Try that in a small town See how far You make it down the road Around here we take care Of our own You cross that line It won't take long for you to find out I recommend you don't Try that Thank you. 
the running away number one song in the country for the last three weeks comes from country artist Jason Aldean and try that in a small town. Now, there was a controversy when it came out trying to say that it was racist because uh, small towns were against people of other origins or something. I, I don't know. They haven't visited very many of the small towns I grew up in around in uh, Louisiana that were mostly African-American and some of them in South Texas that were mostly Latino. Anyway, coming back, hour two on the way. Get the soundtrack. Search hashtag new.